Welcome in, everyone, to the first ever official episode of the DeMartin Download. My name's Ian Gilmore. Joining me, as it will always be, is Adam Baker. And we're going to get going here in just a couple seconds. I want to just put a little asterisk by first official episode, Adam, because there's been some struggles with, with recording and trying to get it out there, but we're going now. We're getting going. Yeah, it's been a... Really rough start to the season. Even our practice run needed a second take. Now our first episode's on uh, take two as well. It is what it is, though. Hey, we're underway. We move forward. Regardless. Uh, we're, it, there's no better time to really start. I mean, we're in the crux of just about all soccer things. MLS playoffs are, are heating off. European leagues are finally taking shape. And the college seasons are have, have taken shape. And they begin to get into their waning stages now. So with no further ado, let's widen our eyes like Mike Dean and get going. We'll start as we will every week with men's soccer, and then we'll move into women's MSU soccer, and then we'll move around the world, whether it be MLS or English Premier League or Champions League or World Cup, whatever is happening at that time. That's what we'll do. So we'll go men's, women's, around the world, and that's that's going to be the focus of this podcast for those that will take the journey with us, MSU soccer and beyond. So we'll start with the men's team, Adam. I mean, um, we talked about it in our practice episode a little while ago, but it's no secret that this season at least the beginning of it. Maybe not Maybe not recently, but the beginning of it was not great, uh, especially after the College Cup run that they had. Um, they did lose a lot of guys, and three of them are in the MLS. Uh, a couple of them played in the playoffs. One played in the playoffs. I don't, did he play? I don't know. If, Dwan Jones plays for the Revolution, and they made the playoffs. I don't know if he played. Um, but regardless, they have been coming on as of late, and I think the most important thing for this team is Damon Renzi always stresses Michigan State is there to compete for for Big Ten championships, and they're on their way to do that right now, even though the beginning of their season wasn't that great. Yeah, they're coming alive at the right time. The non-conference play was just, it was bad. They didn't really take, they couldn't win a home game until recently, and didn't win any non-conference games on the season yet. But when it really matters, they've shown that they can win. Winning record in the Big Ten, looking good going into the backstretch, and everything's starting to come together for them. And I, I, I think it's interesting to see just because of the way they played last year and then them coming into this year not doing great. But um, we'll, we'll go over a couple of the recent games. They they most recently played Oakland in a non-conference match right in the middle of uh, Big Ten play, which I don't think Damon Rensing was too happy about. And you could see it. I mean, he played half his bench for the game. Uh, they did lose 1-0. Um, I wasn't able to watch too much of it, but when I did, uh, it looked like a pretty balanced game. So MSU's bench against Oakland starters looked pretty balanced. Um and I think it was good to get a couple guys that you might need going down the stretch for a couple minutes, some good minutes. Uh, Dante Morissette, uh, Julian Arroyo, um, and, and guys like that that really haven't played yet this season. Getting minutes in in a game that is still competitive but not as important. Um, I, so I don't put too much stock into that game. Just because it's it's a non-conference opponent right in the middle of your Big Ten schedule, you're going to leave guys out because you don't want them to get hurt. So I don't I don't know how much you take from that game. Yeah, it's the first one of a three-game road stretch and the only non-conference one. So it's always going to be like a good chance to get a lot of the backups in, get them going. The team's had a lot of injuries all year, so you never know when they're really going to have to be ready to come in. And, yeah, you just don't need to look too much into that game, especially after the game, the Big Ten game before it. Right. Um, the one before that was probably, I'd say, their best performance of the season so far. They finally put an entire 90 minutes together, Front to back, 
And the way they played was was wonderful by the end of the game. They won 3-1 against Ohio State at home. They go down early, but then manage to, to get one back before halftime. Uh, and I think that was big because that's something they haven't been doing is when they when they go down, they haven't been notching a goal pretty quickly and, and then equalizing before the break. Uh, they scored two in the second half, one from Connor George and one from Michael Watungu. Michael Watungu almost had a brace, but he hit the bar. Um, it, I think the biggest thing with, with that game was, yes, they put a total performance together, but th- there was reasons for it, I think. And I think with this team, I don't think they've been having fun. And I think the reason you play sports is to have fun because you love it because there's passion for it. And I I know it's hard to have fun when you're losing left and right and you, your record is, has eight losses on it. Um, but when you stop having fun, that's when you should stop playing the game. Um, so this team, the way they played against Ohio State, they were just free. Uh, they were flowing. They were fluid. Um, and they were having fun, and I think that's the first time we've really seen that all season. It's a big weight off their, off their shoulders. Have, the way they started the season, not winning a game at home, and having all these young players having to come in and replace the likes of Sarakowski and Jones from last season, and, and Baroni too, considering he's still out. They really haven't taken off yet, and that had to be weighing on them throughout the year. And to finally get it going now, just it's going to be great, big for the team now. And I think it was big for Connor George and Fry Mutatu both to score. Even more important for George, just because it's his first goal um, with Johnny Ferry in a walking boot now. Uh, we don't know how long he'll be out uh, or when he'll be back. So Connor George is going to be big up top. And I think uh, even away from the goal, regardless of the goal, his hold-up play I think was phenomenal. Phenomenal against, uh, against Ohio State. Um, and I think that's something they need because the way they play with the two pacey wingers on the outsides, uh, which has turned into Ogunwali and Mutatu, I think have been their best wingers. Um, it, it's so important for that that center forward to be able to come back and hold up play and then get in behind with the with the wingers because that's exactly how that system works. So even though he scored a goal and that's wonderful for him to open his account, I think that hold up play is just as important. Him breaking into the lineup and really establishing that role as the hold-up striker has been huge for the wingers. Mutatu going down the middle to start the season, it, nothing was re- it wasn't really clicking for him. That's not where he's meant to play. Yeah. He wants to take people on on the sides, not go against two center backs, having to turn on them, having to shoot from distance a lot early in the season. And we've seen how much better he's been on the wing. Got another goal yes, in that game to add on to the assist he's been getting this season. And again, Ferry's out. So George is going to have to play a huge part down the stretch. And I think that's important just because MSU doesn't have that much depth. And when they have a guy like Ferry that goes out who's been that guy up front for them so far this season, uh, it's going to be important for them to have guys on the bench that can come off and uh, produce good minutes for them. So I just think that performance top to bottom was probably their best this season. And like I said, when you start playing good, it's easier to have fun, right? But you still got to have fun even when it's not everything is going right. We finally saw... This MSU team play freely and just just have fun with it. I think that's that's just all it. It's all having fun with it. Um, and I, when they were having fun with it, and when they were playing uh, um, with that freeness, it was just wonderful to watch. I'm hoping we finally the, saw it. Yeah, and I'm hoping the team's taking the Oakland loss as lightly as we are. I think to, they should. Yeah, keeping the momentum from the Ohio State game and not letting, not considering it a return to you know. 
the losing ways to start the year. The one thing about that Oakland game, too, is Nick Woodruff did go out with an injury. He didn't return. So uh, whether or not we will see him uh, again this season, whether it be in the next game or at all, uh, remains to be seen. He walked off under his own power, so couldn't have been that bad. But So they do get another big win uh, in the Big Ten. And I think it's important that we, that we mention just how big these wins are in the Big Ten because Michigan State... Throw all away, throw away all the games at the beginning of the season, and Michigan State is three one one in the Big Ten, sitting third with on ten points, and the only people in front of her are Indiana, who should win the Big Ten every year, and Penn State, who's been a surprisingly good team this year, uh, and Michigan State has a game in hand on Penn State as well. So, uh, it can't be understated how huge that win uh, against Ohio State was. Just to keep them in the running to host a game in the Big Ten tournament, keep them in that top four. Yeah, and going to what you said about Penn State, that game they played at DeMartin might have been the best I've seen any team play this year, that 3-0 win they had. And you got to hope that does the goal difference in that game doesn't come back to get Michigan State come the end of the year right. should there be a tiebreaker. But it's just huge to win that game. They need, to get, they need every win they can get, get that home playoff game, and see where it goes from there. Um, and before we move on to talking about Ak- or, um, Northwestern just a little bit, they did uh, play Akron just before OSU. They lost 2-0 on the road. Once again, don't want to put too much stock into it because it's a non-conference game right in the middle of your Big Ten schedule, which I don't understand. I don't understand why they would schedule it that way. I don't know if it's in their power to schedule it a different way, but I think that's just silly is putting an Akron team like that. But watching that game, it's just so frustrating sometimes to watch this team put in a shift like they did against Ohio State, like they did against Maryland and Wisconsin, and then play a game like they did against Akron where they just got run off the park. It's hard to like knock that game as like low as we did the Oakland one just because we know the history these two teams had. They met twice last year. MSU couldn't win either. Met in the College Cup 5-1. So, you know, it's a big revenge game for Michigan State. And to go down and really just, you know, get played off the park by Akron, and commonly in that game, we'd see like players surrounded, but no one like truly pressuring the guy on the ball, and Akron just able to find their way through the Michigan State defense and midfield for both goals, really. And we saw that especially with David Egbo's goal, the the strike from forty yards out that was the the NCAA men's soccer play of the week and possibly play of the year. I mean, I don't think Hunter Morris could have done much with that one, but defenders got to do something. There's three guys on him, and he somehow wriggles between all of them, and then he gets a shot off from forty yards out and just pinpoints at top corner but that is what it is I, I think you just kind of brush that one off and, and you got to look forward to Northwestern um it, and Northwestern is a tricky team just because of they're so inconsistent uh, especially the inconsistency they've had this year they beat the defending champions Maryland in College Park which is one of the most difficult environments to play in in college soccer I think I'd say top five maybe top three they get 4,000 people at every game and they have the crew behind uh, one of the nets, and they're just insane. Um, and, and then they lose to a team like Bowling Green 3-0 or Loyola 2-0. Um, and so it's just a, such a weird team. Um, and they haven't necessarily been great, whether it be on the road or at home. They've been pretty much the same both. So it, it it's never easy to go on the road and win in the Big Ten at all. But I think if you're Michigan State, this is a must-win game. Yeah, for sure. The way they're ending the season and the way Northwestern's – the run where Northwestern's been on. Their last five games, they won their last, lost the previous four before it, and it was against the Rutgers team. Michigan State found their way with two. 
And it's not like we've seen Michigan State necessarily struggle on the road in conference. Right. Went to Wisconsin, came away with the win. Went to Rutgers, came away with a win. So it's it's a must win. And I, I'm favoring the Spartans to go in there and get a result. If you're looking at the last three games for Michigan State, they've got Northwestern on the road, Michigan on the road on Tuesday. Me and Adam will both be there. Check out Twitter, uh, our Twitter and the Impact Twitter for updates and everything throughout that game. And then they've got Maryland at home on November 3rd. Um, sitting at, th- at third place with 10 points. You've got Michigan and Maryland right behind them on 8. Indiana sits on 12 points. Penn State sits on 13. Again, Michigan State on 10. Three games left to go. How many points do you think Michigan State needs to accrue to host a Big Ten tournament game, which is the top four seeds? I'm going to say four points. Get the win against Northwestern. You, they need it. And then get the tie against Michigan. It would be more considered two points drop for Michigan than one point gain for yeah. State. Especially, yeah, I'd say especially with Michigan being behind Michigan State at the moment. And then you just don't want to go into the Indiana game thinking, okay, we need a win. Right. And uh, as of now, we're going to be on the call for that game. For BTN, Student U, shameless plug once again. Tune in for it. Indiana at Michigan State. And I, I think that you make a really good point because – Yes, you'd like to win every game at home. Michigan State has not been good at home this year. Um, Indiana is a team that can go anywhere and win. Um, I'd say they're pretty much invincible, except for the fact that Maryland ended their 30-something game undefeated streak in the Big Ten uh, last week with a win. I think it was in Bloomington? Um, No, it was at Maryland. It was at Maryland. Maryland. But regardless, Indiana had had a, a streak that went all the way back to, I think, 2017 or 16, where they hadn't lost a Big Ten game. Uh, in just that long, so I think if you're Michigan State, you're playing for a draw, uh, even though it's at home. I think you got to play for a draw. You got to realize how good this Indiana team is, and just how injury ridden you still are. Um, so you don't want to you don't want to go into that game. You you cannot go into that game needing three points. You can go into that game needing one and try to get it. I don't. But like you said, you shouldn't try to leave it till that last game. I mean, if they go in, you know, going for the draw, who knows? Maybe they'll find their way on the counterattack if Indiana starts pressing. Not necessarily that they'll need the win, but if they just see themselves as favorites. But if they have to come out and play an open game going for the win, that's when we could see it really go in Indiana's favor if things aren't clicking on the night for Michigan State. So Michigan State, three games left in their regular season, uh, and they really have a chance to salvage their season, I think, with those games just because of how good they've been in the Big Ten so far. And, hey, you never know. Even though that record sits at 3-8-3, and you win the Big Ten tournament, you're into this. You're into the NCAA tournament. If you somehow, I don't know, if I had to predict, I'd say there's no way in on God's green earth that they would. But if you win Big Ten regular season somehow, you go and get results against Northwestern, Michigan, and Indiana. I think you would need seven, if not nine, points to win outright. Um, th- then I I don't see why you don't get into the tournament. That's a conversation for a later time. Yeah, Episode it, two. Yeah, it'll be if a it big if it around. happens. Yeah, if it comes around, we'll talk about it. Um, but so they got three games left, and uh, we'll see where it goes. It'll be interesting to see how they finish this turmoil-filled season. Yeah, and the momentum could go a long way. Winning the Northwestern game, not losing to Michigan. Then yeah, who knows what the, what happens in that Indiana game if they're flying high. Four two and one, four four one and two, five one and one. At that point, never know. Never know. Never know. All right, so we'll move from men's to women's now. And even though the record for the women are a lot is a lot better, at least 
uh, total record, sitting at eight, eight and one right now. Um, <laughs> I don't know if if you feel any better about the women's team just because they have five more. Uh, they have five more wins, yes, but look at that record in the Big Ten. It's one seven and one, and they sit rock bottom, not even close to uh, the the same as they were last year in the Big Ten. Yeah, rock it's, bottom. It's the exact opposite of the men's team. Yeah. They look like world beaters in the non-conference game, blowing teams out, everyone's getting on the score sheet, stat padding early in the year. And then it's really just died down when the conference has come around. They had some bad losses to Iowa at home. There was the Michigan game. They found their way back in and it ended up slipping still. A Michigan game, they lost 3-2. When they were down 2-0, it really could have turned into 4-5. It was a good comeback on their part, and then, yeah, to let it slip late. And then again last night, coming in, looking like they're, uh, I believe it, who was it yesterday? Maryland. Okay, I thought so. <laughs> Mind blanked right there. <laughs> but it looked like they're all over the game, and then a long ball over the top, they just find themselves down 1-0 and were never really able to make a chance to get back into the game. And I think that's been the biggest thing for them in the Big Ten is we've talked about how um, at least in the non-conference games, there was a lot of chances that they missed. Uh, and they had those chances, and they were plentiful, and it didn't really matter that they missed them because they were still winning games 3-4-0. Uh, really, but they really should have been, you know, 6-7-8. Uh, and we talked about off the air that, you know, you can't miss those, right, when Big Ten comes around. And now the thing is they haven't been getting those chances. Uh, so they've been doing well to finish when they have them, but the chances aren't coming. So they're having scoring. They're, the scoring woes are there, and... Gia Wahlberg, I, I, I want to give a, a preface to this. If you told me Gia Wahlberg would have nine goals by the end of the season, season's not even over yet, end of the season, I'd say, yeah, I'll take it. I'll snatch your hand off. But she has nine goals right now, but she scored one in the last seven. In, in soccer, it's what have you done for me lately? And it's not been good enough. She's been a ghost in half these games. And if you're looking to her to score your goals, it's got to be better. Yeah, she hasn't been able to find her way into scoring chances recently. She's been coming out wide a lot more, dropping deeper to get the ball, kind of settling for crossing instead of getting on the end of anything. And just all around the team, we've seen like just the lack of offensive creativity at the moment. And I think it is, you said Maryland scored that long ball, and it really did. It was, it was just about one pass that broke them up. But I think that's, Michigan State does a lot of that as well. And they try to, they try to just play... Cameron Evans or Paige Weber in behind, and if it doesn't work, they're lost off up front almost. And I, I want to say I think Paige Weber's done really well this season. Um, she's got six goals in her true freshman year. Um, I, I think that's wonderful. Um, still, it's all about you know, okay, we've got six goals. You want more, right? It's all that's all, always is what it's about. And I, I think you you hit the hit the nail on the head. They do sometimes lack creativity up front, and it should, they just struggle to create opportunities where they can score more. Yeah, and coming up, Evan's whole thing has been like, you know, backing down the center back she's on, holding it up against them. Came, coming into the conference, she's been finding her match a lot more with these center backs. Go to the Michigan game, Martin had her in her pocket, really for a majority of the match. I've, I've never seen a center back bully Cameron Evans like she did. It was... It was amazing to watch because Cameron Evans is usually the one that's that's putting the center backs on the ground and fouls called against her, and and she couldn't do anything that day just because Michigan center backs were so good and so physical. Yeah, and when she's not finding her way, that's when 
you really go into the wide play with crosses, and it's just not something the team's been able to capitalize on throughout the conference season. And like you said, that Maryland game, the first half, they were dominating it quite a bit, I'd say, and it was just that one goal that opened things up for Maryland, and uh, that was all she wrote. Maryland clinches their first-ever Big Ten tournament bid in program history. Of course, in the women's side, they have 14 teams, and only the top eight make the tournament, so uh, Michigan State, I don't know if they've been officially eliminated yet, but I think you can pretty much write that one down, uh, that they won't be making it. So they fall to... 8-8-1 eight, eight and one on the season and 1-7-1 and one in the Big Ten. And the outlook, it's not great because, awesome, you beat all these teams in non-conference games at the beginning of the season. But you you haven't improved in the Big Ten at all. They finished dead last last year, and that's what it's looking like again. Yeah, they got a... It's going to be like a, hard to find necessarily the positives around the team again. It was good to see all those players getting goals early in the season. So you have your lineup, you have like, you know necessarily who you can rely on, but you don't know just how big of the moment can they really come through in. And we've just seen it this year in the conference. All right, so that will wrap up our MSU soccer segment. We've got 45 down and 45 to go. The man who coined that phrase, John Strong, he commentates MLS, and that's what we'll move into now. MLS playoffs right in the thick of things and probably – one of the best MLS games I've ever watched last night. We we recorded a we tried to record our first episode yesterday and we made predictions. Um uh, and uh my prediction was incorrect. Adams was correct. Uh LAFC wins five, five to three was the final. Yep. Couldn't keep up. Oh my gosh. That that game was just crazy. Start to finish, all the goals that were scored. Um probably the most anticipated MLS playoff game ever and lived up to the hype. It was one of the best MLS games I've ever watched live. Um, and I would hate to see Zlatan go now because even that rivalry, it it shouldn't even be a rivalry because it's only, what, like two years old? It's like, what, their sixth or seventh game, I think. That was the sixth game. Sixth game. First one LAFC ever won, by the way. It was three ties and two Galaxy wins before that. Hey, 1-0 in the playoffs. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, just that rivalry that's been created between pretty much all of LAFC and Zlatan, but Carlos Vela, too. And the stuff Zlatan said after the game, how he made LAFC famous and he made Vela famous and everything. Oh, I love it. I'd hate to see him go. <laughs> that sounds like a man on his way out trying to just leave his last mark. But no, that I can't really think of an MLS game that came close to that watching live. Like I mentioned in our, our failed recording yesterday, the LAFC Atlanta 4-3 game in the summer. And then this one comes out and just beats it in every aspect. They started the game hot. So both stars were showing up. Ibra got his assist before the half. And Diego Rossi find his, found himself with a goal and two assists. And it was a 5-3 game that could have been higher. Yeah, like, oh yeah. They were missing There's missed chances, yep. And that, that's the crazy part about it. It's, that could have been like an 8-7 game. Yeah, just best. Uh, and I don't think I've ever felt like that committed watching an MLS game before. Like I was really... Well, I was with LAFC, you know this, I don't know if the viewers do, but like I was riding high with it, getting stressed when Galaxy came out, <laughs> really wasn't ready to see Ibra come back and beat Vea in these circumstances. But hey, it's a great win, I'm not going to miss Ibra if he leaves. How can you not miss him? <laughs> he makes this league so much better. This league, it needs superstars, and he's the biggest superstar in the world. No, he definitely helps it, like. If Ibra's off the Galaxy, I'd be disappointed LAFC lost. I wouldn't be devastated. It would. I don't think it would be as big as a rivalry anymore. Oh, for sure. I mean, 
Can we talk about the atmosphere at that game too? Oh, <laughs> wonderful. It's so seriously, it's yeah, so it was... good. I'd kill to, to watch a game there. Just be in the middle of the 3252. It, it it's like a European atmosphere. It's wonderful. It's what MS has been missing. I wish it was like that at every stadium. Yeah, when they got those two goals in three minutes in the second half, you, you couldn't see the ball. You couldn't, you see, couldn't the ball see the ball when play. it was in the AC. <laughs> the Amande was wide open waiting in the middle, and I couldn't see him because the smoke bomb was taking up the whole box. The guy who was supposed to cross it to him probably didn't see yeah, it I don't either. Know. And there was chances right after to make it six, and I don't, or well, make it five at the time before. And I don't know how they could see everyone that was open. So LAFC wins. The one and two seeds win on the western side. So they all play Seattle um, on October 20th. What is that? Monday? October 29th at 10 p.m. Yep. Tuesday. Tuesday. Can't do math. So they'll play Tuesday at 10 p.m. Also, I don't understand why they play at 10 p.m. I can hardly stay up and watch those games, but maybe I'm just getting old. And yeah, then Toronto that. and Atlanta on the Eastern Conference side will play next Wednesday at 8 p.m. before the final takes place on November 10th at 3 um, we did predictions yesterday. Um, we are more informed now because we have all four members of the semifinals. I said Seattle would win it all. I said Seattle would beat Atlanta. What's your prediction? LAFC beats Atlanta. So you don't think there's a way Toronto, Toronto gets to the final? No, no? Toronto's on a little bit of a fairy tale run. And just before we go That's on, not a fairy, not a fairy, fairy, fairy tale run was the wrong word. There. Come like, on, they they beat DC United in extra time. Admittedly, I wrote Toronto off as an MLS contender the second Giovinco left. Smartly. So that's why. I, you can't you can't I, count on Josie Altidore. Yeah, I mean, they, I don't know how they scored four overtime goals in that DC game. And then New York City FC, I had the big rant on it yesterday. I don't know what's wrong with New York teams and MLS. They choke. The Red Bulls were choke. the Red Bulls are up three one at Philly. Let it slip. New York City FC's the one seed came out the bye, lost two one to Toronto. And the other thing I kept saying yesterday is you'll never win an MLS Cup playing in a baseball stadium. Oh, I hate it. Why are they still in Yankee Stadium? I hate it so much. Do they much. even have a stadium like in in the making? Probably not. Because it, it would have been done by now, I'm assuming. They've been in MLS for a while now. Oh, it's, it's, there's so many things wrong with it. We'll go on a tangent on this another time, but there's so many things wrong with playing soccer in a baseball stadium. It's just... Oh, I, <laughs> I can't even. I can't even talk. It's just about weird it. to watch when like Horrendous. they're on the far side, and then the fans yeah, are no way atmosphere. away because there's a diamond that has to be finished for can't the baseball. Can't see half the ball. And the 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 areas behind the goals are curved, mm-hmm. and everything's just off. I ugh, I hate it. We we went on a little tangent there. <laughs> we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get back to things. So I think LAFC is gonna lose to Seattle. You think it's the other way around? We well, have no confidence in the Eastern Conference. Which I think is understandable because the Western Conference was just better this entire year. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta lost Tata. Their uh, their best midfielder is now playing under you in Europe. And uh, I like it. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if they won, but it's going to be in LA, the final. So maybe you think you really think you don't think Seattle has a chance. Well, I mean, regardless, they're going to be playing the final on the road. But, I mean, I could see Atlanta beating Seattle. I just don't think LAFC loses. It's not that I don't have confidence in the East. It just, like, LA let that 2-0 elite slip yesterday, and I really wasn't that nervous that it could, uh, that it would flip it anymore. Really? Just the way I they were playing. They were gonna, I thought Galaxy was going to go on. Momentum-wise, I kind of did. 
When it was 3-2, I, I didn't think LAFC would score again. But those the LAFC forward just had their way with that Galaxy yeah. backline old oh, game. That Galaxy backline is horrendous. I don't know it's how so they, bad. I don't know how they kept running in behind so easily. And then so bad. Someone needs to explain that Diamande goal for me. The second one. No one closed him. He got as close as he wanted. It was a really good turn to start off. But it was. If you're the midfielder that's on him in the midfield, you have to bring him down right there. Yeah. Take a yellow card, whatever it is. I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but still, but you just got to bring him down. It's not even hindsight because look at how bad the defense was playing all game. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was confident it would be a goal when I think it was three on three, <laughs> and then he just said, "Now nah, I got this myself." Go myself, yeah. And <laughs> and both the center backs like half stepped to him. Yeah, it like, wasn't it like he like... dribbled past them. He went. He walked. He ran past. Yeah. Them. They. Uh, it, it was like they were waiting for the other one to to converge, and neither of them did. And then the goalie didn't know if he should come yeah. out early or not, and just got caught in the it middle of all of it. It was fun to watch, though. It was a great game. Um, so, LAFC and Seattle, Atlanta and Toronto. My bet is on Seattle, and Adam's bet is on LAFC. So, we shall see how that turns out in about a week. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. At least we can both agree on Atlanta. Yeah. And just to clarify on earlier, Dewan Jones did start in that game. He did? Yes. Good for him. That's wonderful to see. And they only lost 1-0. That's true. Clearly put in a shift that defense. Good to see. Well done, Dewan Jones. I hope you're listening. <laughs> so we move from MLS to English Premier League now. Um, we're going to start at the top of the table because I don't want to talk about the bottom of the table. Um, Liverpool kind of slips up for the first time against a mid-table side in, in Manchester United. Um, a game on paper that Liverpool really shouldn't drop any points in, but it is Old Trafford, and Liverpool just struggles to play at Old Trafford. Yeah, I haven't won there in the league since 2014. And I thought this would be the year that ended it. It should have been. And then just fitting to the cause, they came out and played their worst game of the season. <laughs> Nothing could go right. Salah was off, in, was out injured. And, yeah, you know, Origi's not going to really re- replicate his production. <laughs> the midfield just looked lost. And Robertson and Trent, until Robertson got the late assist, were just kind of out of it for a while. Yeah. I think they kind of just drifted through the game more than anything. Which led me to well, I've been on this like, please sit Jordan Henderson. Come like, come on. The whole talk in the summer was like City's team is so much better because of Liverpool's midfield, and that's why they're getting like ridiculed for not getting Nabil Fekir, and or just going for anyone since they let Coutinho leave, which still might have made the team better at looking back at it. And if you start Kieta instead of Henderson, I think you really, you really upgrade that spot. I mean, we saw it in that game. Keita came on, just looked so much better. Got the pass to the assist and just does stuff that I don't think Henderson can do. And really... Like, He's a club captain, though. That's the only thing he has to offer, I think. You can't bench your club captain. They can give the armband to Van Dyke and, you know, just keep moving as such. Milner. I- <laughs> you can't give it to the third guy in line. You can't just suddenly make him the club captain because he's better. I mean, you give him the cl- you make him captain because you, that guy doesn't belong on the field. When Henderson comes well, on, well, clearly Klopp thinks he does. I think I, I think the one thing about Henderson too is he fits that Liverpool captain stature, pale and English, and well, typically that. Well, Stevie G was good, but other than that, like, come on. Yeah, I mean, like it's fitting, you know. He's the passionate Englishman leading the cop. But does the team really need it? Yes. They can find their leadership elsewhere. They can find their passion through scoring goals in a more talented midfield. Because that's the only weak link 
Fabinho and Wijnaldum are massively underrated. And Firmino himself can drop back to create for the offense. I think if they just get Keita in for Henderson, it's going to be the biggest influencer on them winning the league this year. I want to read you the recent Liverpool club captains. And tell me, other than Stevie G, if you think any of these guys are world beaters. Sammy Hippia, Robbie Fowler, Jamie Redknapp, Paul Ince, John Barnes, Ian Rush might be the only one. Ian Rush. And then going back, I don't even recognize half these names. Mark Wright is the next one. Yeah, Robbie Fowler is one of the only ones I can really see and like think okay. of, think of what he did. But <laughs> and yeah, then you go down the list. James Milner's the vice captain. He where he's on the armband every anytime Henderson is. Hendo lifted the European Cup. A most passionate trophy lift I've ever seen. Exactly, he <laughs> loves the club. I mean, you know, don't sell him, but. You know, League Cup, FA Cup, relieve man off the bench. Even though I wouldn't make him the the first man off. I think he's I think he's grossly underrated, and I he know, can be underrated. Know. He's not trash by any stretch of the margin, but he's not better than Nabi Keita. I'll take him. And I Newcastle, <laughs> he wants to come. I don't know about that one. <laughs> not that he wouldn't start <laughs> for you guys. Will. That he would ever. That he would go from lifting a Champions League. He'd be like as John, Liverpool he'd captain. He'd be like John Joe and get injured every other week. That's what they do when they come from Liverpool to Newcastle. Yeah, I would. I always forget that that guy's still playing. He's not. John Joe? He's not. He retired? No, he's just injured all the time. Oh, yeah. So he's in and out of but the team. I thought like it was crazy. official retirement. No, no, no. I feel no, like no. when I started no, watching no, no. soccer, he was in his 30s, and he just stayed there. <laughs> you don't remember him at Swansea? Do you remember yeah, him Yeah, I, I remember him there. Yeah, he was a kid there. He was like, what, yeah, 21? Then... Yeah, he was a kid. Yeah, interesting. He okay. was probably just clown so much. I, <laughs> I threw him in that old English class. Liverpool does stay six points ahead of Man City, though. And I think nine games in, if I told you you'd be six points ahead of Man City, you'd probably be pretty happy. Yeah, easily. You just wish the I game mean, wasn't dropped points against Man U. Yeah, let it let it be anyone. Drop points Here, to Sheffield before you uh, drop that, points that was to what I was United. Say. Would you rather drop points to United or Sheffield United? Just improve that big six record. Just so satisfying. Like, they already went and beat Chelsea. They beat Arsenal. So you don't care if they lose to crap teams? Or, well, or drop points against crap teams? No, no, like you definitely... You no, know, you still care, considering, <laughs> like, it's going to impact the title race. But if you can pick or choose, pick and choose, I would beat United, mm. tie Sheffield. Mm. Interesting. Well, speaking of crap teams, <laughs> Newcastle, <laughs> uh, my club, um, I... I, I I don't want to harp on them today. I really don't because they haven't been that bad recently. And that that 5-0 loss to Leicester is looking a little bit better after today <laughs> when Leicester beat Southampton 9-0. Uh, so, you know what? I'll take a 5 I'll take a 5-0. It's okay with me. Um, the one thing I want to say about Newcastle, because I really don't want to talk about them today. I just don't. I want to stay positive. Um, Luke Sloan just walked by. Shout out to Luke Sloan. Um, I want to stay positive. Um there's just one tweet I saw, not yesterday, two days ago now, where some it was a it was a Newcastle supporter and he mentioned that if we go down, bar bar the Fulham team last year, we might be the most expensive lineup to ever get relegated, and that is completely and utterly sad. And I looked at I I looked it up the other day. We're our starting lineup is 175 million, and that is way too expensive to go down. That's all I got. That's my Newcastle. It's not even a rant this week. It's just I really hope we don't. 
Hey. I'm in one of those moods where I was just like, eh, I just, eh, I don't want to rant about him, but I, if we go down, I'll be so sad. Never forget, though. At least you guys did beat Man U. We did. It, small victories. And it, that victory is a lot smaller than it's been in, in past years. Yeah, that was the derby of teams in the bottom half. So <laughs> It was a relegation battle. <laughs> Hey, that's a six-pointer that's just going to that's gonna that's keep true. you guys up at the end of the year. And uh, Southampton's loss today um, pushed us out of the relegation zone because of the goal difference. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious when I saw that. Um, Lester was just paying you guys back for that five-piece. I say Paris. Looking out for you Rafa guys still. Rafa is a genius. That's why Rafa is a genius. Hey, come dead or decisions that – survival dead Sunday. Mm, okay. There we go. That's what they call it. You guys are gonna. gonna you guys. Are, you guys are gonna live off goal difference. Those nine goals is gonna be big. Well, we'll go back to the other top of the, the other side of the table, the top, and talk about Champions League for uh, a quick minute. But we'll go away from England, and I'll let Adam rant on his Dortmund side, his team. I just don't get it this season. Look, we were so good in the in 2018, leading into the second half of last season. Last season, we showed a lot of flawed signs, and then. This whole season's kind of been about is our offense more good or is our defense more bad? We tied three, three straight games 2-0. Both? Could it be both? Yeah, I don't know. It, it has to be. <laughs> and it's always the same story. We can't defend crosses. And that's... It cost us... What is it? Six points in the span of three games. Because that's the equalizers were all a second chance cross that was an own goal. All league games or no? All league games. And that's big. Yeah, a flicked on header from a corner that turned into a goal. And then another another cross, second chance cross that turned into an own goal. Twice. And six points would be uh it would it would give you some space at the top of the table now that, that I mean the German league is so cramped at the top and at those six points. Yeah, it would, would be we'd be flying high. Mm-hmm. And then I still don't know what Paco's injury is, but that's left his mark because that's the only out and out striker on our team. And I could never criticize any of my guys on the offense, Royce, uh, Royce Sancho, Thorgan, and Julian. But the defense, god-awful. I'm sick of it. You feel free to why, – why do you feel free to criticize them, not the attackers? See, as a, as a keeper and a defender, I have to ask. I also play defense. But it's just they're so – they can't do it. I mean, Hakimi's – Great, but he's, I mean, his contributions from fullback are all scoring. And then Akanji, who was supposed to be good, thinks he's Chabi Alonso passing out of back, turns it over <laughs> half the times. Matt's almost is surprisingly good, but I don't want to like him because he left and came back when he was washed. <laughs> Even though, again, he's put in some good shifts. And just like, come on. It's crosses. How hard can it be? Corners should not be as stressful as they are for us. And then inner. We got beat by a long ball over the top because Schultz couldn't step up with the rest of the line. With how precise offsides is nowadays, three people stepping up and he couldn't get far enough to yep. put him off. It just can't happen. And then the next issue. I think our forwards forgot that Lewandowski left six years ago. <laughs> we keep crossing. Royce can't head the ball. Thorgan's not particularly tall. That's definitely not Julian's thing. Sancho can't get a header. Paco can, but he's out, and he's still not like a towering force up yeah, top. There's no, there's no aerial threat along that front line. We always have to, yeah, play it on the ground and cut it back. 
which I mean, it works a and lot. That's what they have success with. Yeah, and that's our thing. Yeah, stick with it. Don't try and switch it up. Uh, uh, speaking of the Inter game, I want to ask you real quick. Uh, Paco didn't start. Royce was sick, uh, and Goza still didn't start. Is that do you agree with that? Do you find that a problem area? What What are your thoughts on that? See, I don't think benching Goats is like a crime by any sense. Like it's not like he's been great with us recently. But tactically, I think I would have liked to see him play now that I look back on it. We played three center defensive mids. Conte came out after the game and talked about how Dortmund were scared of Inter. And I hated how true it was. Like, we don't have success lining up that team when we. Weigel and Witzel, I'm both big fans of. Delaney's good, not great. But when those three play together, it's just like we don't have an attacking bone in that midfield. It's It's so negative. Yeah. Every time we play like that kind of... It worked at the weekend against Gladbach. We got the win. But Royce was there that game. So, you know, it's a little different on offense. But then, like... And then you go back to, uh, like, our fortunes without playing a number nine. Or at least a false nine with Goza. We lost to Bayern 5-0. And that's what turned the whole title last season. Because <laughs> we played Dahoud, Delaney, Witzel. Brun Larson, Sancho, and Royce as our uh, six out of the back. Or, you know, six that weren't included yes. in the defense. It's not a good history. And as much as I like Favre, I'm starting to see all these fans turn on him. And I might be with it. There was rumors of... Yeah, turn, turn on him? Like, are you talking on your about own me? manager? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say Favre out by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but if I was to see a report that he got fired... Wouldn't be too mad. No, it... It depends on what happens next. And then Especially the next if. and then the next report was Mourinho accepts Dortmund job. I'm Dangerous. with it. I'm with it. Dangerous. You never know what Mourinho you're gonna get. Are you gonna get Man U Mourinho or are you are you gonna get second stint at Chelsea Mourinho? Or are you gonna get first stint at Chelsea, Real Madrid, Porto? Which Mourinho is Yeah, hey, I mean second stint at Chelsea. Who knows? He won that Premier League before. Oh, then he almost got relegated. <laughs> before everything kinda hit the fan. But I think this time away changed him. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. But, uh, I mean, you saw him in those interviews with BN Sports. Like, you can tell, first of all, how much, he's, how much he knows, how smart he is oh, as a genius. manager. And I think how much he misses the game now. Man U is just a club everything can go wrong in. Yep. See it all the time. Especially now. And then I think he Not bought into it. Now, after yeah, Fergie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Post Fergie, nothing goes right. And I think Mourinho bought into it a little too much. Became, enjoyed being that villain that kept flexing his three yes, Premier League titles. Yes, he did. Like, you could just see him after every game. <laughs> he really there was did. A, there was a Juve game. He was walking around holding his ear out. I don't know why I was motioning that, like, this is a recorded show. <laughs> there was the Chelsea game. They tied, and he was walking over to the Chelsea fans holding up three fingers. Three. Three. Three titles. <laughs> Always cooking Poch and Klopp about how they're praised and he still has more. But I, I, th- I miss that in the Premier League, honestly. Yeah, I think he belongs back in top coaching. He keeps rejecting like these lower offers. I'm hoping he wouldn't consider Dortmund one. And yeah, like, look at us. Like, remember that 2012 Madrid team? How good they were on the counter? Yes. We could replicate that personnel. Not good. Like, we're not going to have. You need, you need a cam, someone in there. Center mid a cam that goes forward. Yeah, I mean that's where Royce has been lining up for us. So I think he's a perfect fit for that. Or Julian when Royce isn't there. We're not going to have the Ronaldo figure to cap him off, so you know we we wouldn't have quite the same success. And for a team that's defense is their worst attribute, name me a better man to come in and fix it. I got nothing, Rafa Benitez. <laughs> Maybe if we get relegated, Sad. 
tears. Oh. Well, yeah, you have to get relegated first for him to stay with you. That's the whole thing. For him to really flex his wings. All right, so that will conclude the Premier or the the Champions League talk, and that's gonna actually do it for us this week. We're gonna leave. We we have some very strong feelings about the MLS switching from two legged playoffs to single game playoffs. Actually, before we wrap up, one more thing. One question, two questions for you. Okay. Relating MLS and Premier League. Mm. Where would LAFC finish in the league? Dead last. Dead last? Dead last. Actually? Dead last. I'm not thinking they'd finish top eight. Dead or, last. Or it's not like I think they're pushing for this ninth. Is, no. Adam, no. Hey, no. Hey, 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 I'm not. Don't, don't, don't think I'm saying they're competing for Europe. But I don't know they're if they're They're not. Get they wouldn't compete against teams in England. This is not a conversation. You can't even have this conversation. They'd finish dead last, and I'd be surprised if they won more than 10 points on the season. This is MLS. Hey, hey, hey I don't think they would play the same. Like obviously, as they do here, but Bob Bradley, I, I, I'd buy into I'd buy into them staying up. No, no, never in a million years. Look at their manager; he got hired at Swansea, and he couldn't even stay there for six months. Bob Bradley's fine in the MLS. The standards are so low; they they would not get off rock bottom all year. They would they would there would be people in the streets celebrating if they beat Norwich. Or Sheffield United. Or Southampton. I was say, you know, maybe that Southampton team. I think Southampton would kill them, destroy them. I I think half the players, I I would have to look up Southampton's lineup, but yes, I realize Velo's good. I understand that. Diego Rossi, pretty good. The midfield will definitely get ran in the Prem. Look, okay, Danny Ings, he's the first name I saw on Southampton's roster. If he came to MLS, he'd be scoring 20, 25 goals a season. Wrong or right? I can't say I've been uh, watching Danny Ings close enough to see I, I how his any, game, to, to imagine how his game would translate. Any striker in the Premier League would come over here and score twenty goals a season. No question. Oh no, they, they would they would eat over here for sure, especially against some of the lower level teams here. Okay, but the that's next my first one. standard. What, what's your second question? I hope it's nothing as offensive as that last one. Is Man United winning? <sighs> is this Man United team going to win MLS? Would they? Yeah, would they? Yes. Okay. Yes. I just wanted to wonder what your standpoint on I'd be surprised was. if they didn't go unbeaten. Unbeaten. Yes. This Okay. They, I realize they underperform, but this is a team of superstars. Yeah. If anyone on that team came to MLS, I think even Victor Lindelof would score 10 goals a season. At center back? Yes. No, I, I agree with that. Rashford one. would be scoring 35-40. Martial would probably score 10-15 off the bench. Pogba would go insane. Wait, Mars- They'd win. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that one. I was really more curious about the okay. LAFC answer, which kind of gave away the second one. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that the the quality level is so different. No, it's obviously huge. That's and why the I'm- gap is just crazy. If you look at even the national team. That's why I would only ever bring over the uh, the historically best team in, into a discussion like this. The only thing I would think of was is the Landon Donovan, David Beckham, LA Galaxy years. If you put that team into the Premier League in those years, they might finish 17th. If they get lucky. I don't know if you could... This, the mark for 17th is always 40 points, though. I don't know if they could get 40 points in a season. It's hard to imagine. You have to win. It's hard to even visualize games. like the bottom half of England playing against like a team that would be better than. I mean, you see it with... Um, the European teams that play the MLS All-Stars every year. 
When's the last time they won? They beat Chelsea, I think it was 2013. Of course it would be Chelsea. The 20, only year, 2013, oh, six yeah. years ago. The MLS All-Stars. All well, of well to be fair, it's, okay, it, I there's, it's there's not a, a team. There's a big lack of chemistry when you're bringing together a bunch of All-Stars Correct. that really only are So there's be another good question. Themselves. Who do you think would win? This year's All-Stars or this year's LAFC? Okay, so we're assuming there's two Veyas? Yes, he plays for both teams. Okay. I mean, I, I think it has to be the All-Stars. Why? I think whatever midfield trio you assemble in there would just outdo LA's. Yeah, that's true. I'm trying to think. That's an interesting I mean, idea. I can only think about the forwards right now. Yeah. Well, you get Martin. I mean, okay, Vea's with both. You got Martinez, Vea, and Ibra. That oh, what a front three. Chemistry would be horrendous. Horrible. Chemistry zero. Vea wouldn't pass to Ibra, but maybe he would cross for Martinez, and then Zlatan would steal it out of the air. That's interesting. I wonder how that would happen. That's a, that's a good thing to think about. I like those questions. Some spirited discussion yeah, hey, we'll to keep... end the first ever episode of the DeMartin Download. I'll make two of those a week. Okay. I'll be ready. And I'll go off again like I did today. Because if you've got questions like those, man, I don't know if there's anything I can do but go off. Let me just... Uh, <laughs> you going to start some... thinking right now? No, no, no. Brainstorming no. some? So that's... A maximum of 10 points out of 114. Yeah. N- tell me the games they would get those. I'd say one win and maybe seven. That's even hard. One win and seven draws, two wins and four draws. What's the worst ever Premier League total for wins? Can you think <sighs> off the top of your head? Was no, it un- I couldn't tell you. Premier League or top division? We'll go Premier League. I got to look it up now. Premier League, worst several total wins. Records and statistics. I feel like it's going to be like a Derby County or something. It is a Derby County, actually. I remember seeing it earlier this year. Mm. <laughs> well, they might be tied with like another. Got to look at most losses, maybe. Uh, most defeats in a season? 29. Derby County, 20, 2007 and 8. Sunderland, 2005 and 6. Ipswich Town, 94-95. So... 38 games, 29 losses. That's that's pretty darn bad. So that means you're only getting points in nine games, so they couldn't have got many more than what? That's got to be close to 10 points. Well, if That'd they, be so If they managed bad. to win all nine games, that's 27, which is still low as is, and then you factor in that they definitely didn't do that. Yeah, there's no way. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll, we're going to leave this for next week. We'll do some research, uh, and we'll leave a little cliffhanger, so you got to come back. All the listeners got to come back to figure out the worst team, worst point total in Premier League history. I've got it up in my computer now, but I'm going to keep it to myself, just because I want to. And I'll, I'll tell you one thing. There is a team on there from 2015 and 16, and from last year. So, we'll leave you with that. So that's the first ever episode of the DeMartin Download. Hopefully this one works. Fourth, I'm, fourth time is the charm. I'm confident. It's I'm happening. So confident. It's happening. We're going to see this uploaded in two hours. I'm so confident. And you'll be listening to it before we even home. We have hoped that you've found this episode in the great words of Ray Hudson. Magisterial. Join us again next time.